We'll turn to 1 Samuel, first book of Samuel, chapter 7. We'll just probably read the whole chapter, maybe not, we'll see. And the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eliezer his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim, that the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtoreth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all the Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah, and drew water, and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day, and said, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomforted them, and they were smitten before Israel. The men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came unto beth Car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. It's an interesting story, this, actually. You may recall that we've been looking uh, a little bit at the life and times of Samuel. And the last time we, we looked at this was a few weeks ago, the ark had been taken to battle. You remember the Philistines were defeating the Israelites. And they decided to bring the ark of the covenant into the battlefield. And they brought it. They were, it was a, the, the people were very corrupt at that time. The, the priests were corrupt. The, the sons of Eli were corrupt. And they had performed some gross indecencies. And they went to get the ark of the Lord and they brought it to the battle. The result was the the, they lost the battle and the Ark of the Covenant was stolen by the Philistines. And it was taken off to their own country. But as a result, God brought plagues on the Philistines. 
And they couldn't stand having the ark of God in their, in their presence. And so they sent it back. You know the story. They put it on a cart with a couple of cows who were sucking their calves. And they locked the calves up and they put the two cows in, in the, the shafts. And they, they sent them off the road. And the, the, the cows went straight back to Israel. The people were out harvesting and they saw this ark on the cart coming down. And those were the, the, the people... They went, they were called in a people place called Beth Shemesh. They took the ark and they, they offered the sac they, they offered the two cows as a sacrifice to God, but you know they didn't want the ark of God in their midst. They didn't want it there. So they contacted these men at Kirath, Jerem, and said, Come and take the ark away. Come away, come and take it back up. If you look at chapter 6 and verse 20 and 21, the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy God? And to whom shall he go up from us? And they sent messengers to, the, to this other town, saying, The Philistines have brought again the ark of the Lord. Come ye down and fetch it up to him. Bring it up. We want it out of the way. God had come down uh, way back. We read it in numbers weeks ago. That the God desired to dwell amongst his people. And he came down and dwelt. And the, the Ark of the Covenant was where God dwelt amongst his people. And now they didn't want him. They started moving the, the symbol of God's presence around. Didn't want it. Come down and take this thing out of the way. Oh, that's so like people nowadays. We don't want, we don't want God involved in our lives. Come and take him away. I was thinking of Adam in the garden. He, he communed with God. He had fellowship with God. Adam sinned. And what did he say? God called Adam. Adam, where art thou? And Adam said... I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Man in his natural state cannot stand before a holy God. It is only when we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we can stand in God's presence. It's, we said all this the last couple of weeks when I'm doing a, a recap. We cannot stand in God's presence if we're sinful. Someone has said that if a, if, if a sinner did get into heaven, he wouldn't be able to stay there because of the holiness of God. We can't stand in God's presence. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? That's what the psalmist says. Who can stand in God's presence? He that hath clean hands and a, a pure heart and all the rest of it. Read Psalm 24. I think it is. Is it Psalm 24? Uh, read it in any case when you go home. Who can stand in God's presence? Only those who have had a relationship with Jesus Christ and we are clothed then with his righteousness and God, when God looks at us, he sees Christ in us and then we can stand before his presence.
Sinful man cannot stand before a holy God. These men thought that they could avoid the presence of God by moving the ark. Get it out of our way and then we can carry on with our lives without God interfering. You know, that's the way we think sometimes, unfortunately. God can enter into certain aspects of my life, but he can't enter into the whole of my life. We move God around. We try to. We can't. When God is not in his rightful place, we will be under bondage. What God wasn't in his rightful place in Israel, and what about what happened? They were under the Philistines. The Philistines were their masters. Because God wasn't in his rightful place. It's only when God is in his rightful place in my life that I have joy and peace and everything else that comes with trusting God. If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, let Jesus come into your heart. Your sins he'll take away, your night he'll turn to day, your life he'll take and make it over in you. If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, let Jesus come into your heart. I was nearly going to sing it, but I'm not. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you have the pleasure some other time. But you know, the people brought the ark up, the people of Kirjath Jarum, and the sad thing was, it stayed there for 20 years. It's hard to believe. In this backwater of a place, the symbol of God's presence was pushed to one side for 20 long years. But then, you know, something amazing started to happen. If you look at verse 2, it says, All the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. They began to feel there was something lacking in their life. After 20 years, they started saying, there's something wrong. There's something wrong here. They began to lament after the Lord. You know, for those of us who have accepted Christ as our Savior and we stray away, we will never be happy in the world and we'll never be happy in ourselves. In pleasure's broken cisterns I sought to quench my thirst, but blinded by the devil's wiles, I knew not they were burst. There are pleasures in sin, but the Bible says they're only for a season. They leave an aching void. The prodigal son, he went away, he left his father and all the riches of his father's glory and house, and he went away and he's wasted his substance on riotous living, and he ended up in a pig's he ended up in a pigsty. A pigsty. Now to a Jew, a pig was a, a, a an unclean animal. And for a Jew to end up feeding pigs was about the lowest thing he could have done. But you know what it says? He came to himself. He came to himself. And that's what we need to do sometimes. We need to pull ourselves up 
and say, come to yourself. Come to your senses, man. And then the Holy Spirit can start working on your life. He came to himself. And this is when God can act in my life. When I come to myself. They say with an alcoholic, it's only when he gets down to the, the bottom. And he realizes he needs to do something about it. It's only then that healing can start. And that's the way it is. When we come to ourselves. Only then can God start working in my life. Cowper's hymn. There's a longing. Oh for a closer walk with God. A calm and hem heavenly frame. A light to shine upon the road. That leads me to the Lamb. Where is the blessedness I knew. When first I saw the Lord. Where is the soul refreshing dew. Of Jesus and his word. What peaceful hours I once enjoyed. How sweet their memory still. But they have left an aching void. The world can never fill. Yes, he, he must have realized. The writer of that hymn. When we go away from the Lord, there's an aching void. The world can never fill. I have a longing in my heart for Jesus. I have a longing in my heart to see his face. We need to have that longing to have Jesus in control of our lives. And there it says, and, and Samuel spake unto the house of Israel. Now we haven't heard much of Samuel for the last couple of chapters. He was probably about 40 years old by now. But he came on the scene here. We don't know what happened in the previous chapters. And for those 20 years when the ark was pushed away. We don't know anything about Samuel during the, that time. But here we have Samuel coming on the scene. And he sets out the conditions for a closer walk with God. These people had turned and they said we want to follow God. They had a longing in their heart to serve God again. And he sets out the conditions for this closer walk. We can also learn something from those conditions that he set out for the children of Israel so many years ago. He says in verse 3, If you return unto the Lord with all your hearts. If. I wonder did he have a little bit of doubt about them. That this was just a, something on the surface. Things were not going too well. They were suffering a lot from the Philistines. They were under the control of the Philistines. And sometimes, you know, people, when, when things are not going well in their lives, they say, oh, maybe I should start going to church again. Maybe I should maybe go to the Bible class once or twice. You know, things uh, get my life sorted out a bit better. No, but that doesn't do. We have to have the attitude of forsaking all and following the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to, we cannot, Jesus said, serve God and mammon. We must be, re be prepared to return unto the Lord, it says, with all your hearts. Return with all your hearts. And then he sets out the various conditions. He says, if you're prepared to return to the Lord with all your heart, then, he says, the first thing, he says, put away the strange gods of Ashtaroth from among you. Oh, they had gone down the road of idolatry. 
they were worshipping strange gods. Most of these gods were fertility cult gods associated with very evil practices. He says, put them away. Put them away. Put them out of your houses. Put them out of your lives. Put them out of your hearts. That's the important thing. Put them out of that depth within you. Get rid of them. In that hymn we said, The dearest idol I possess, whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from its throne and worship only thee. Get rid of the strange gods. Get rid out of my life all those things which are blocking my fellowship with God. An idol needn't necessarily be a totem pole. It can be many things in my life. Anything that comes between me and God is an idol. Whatever the dearest idol I possess, whatever that idol be, help me to tear it from its throne and worship only thee. And then he goes on to say, prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve only him. That's the difficulty, isn't it? That was their problem. They thought they could worship God and worship the, 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 the idols at the same time. No, he says, direct your hearts to him while in his service. We have said that sometimes in our lives, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm following Jesus each step of the way. We used to sing that song years ago. I want to walk with Jesus Christ all the days I live on this life of earth. To yield to him complete control of body and of soul. Follow him, follow him, yield your life to him. He has conquered death, he is king of kings. Accept the joy which he gives to those who yield their lives to him. Are we following him? Serve him only. And what if we do that, Samuel? If we do this, I'll tell you what he says. He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. That was a bonus. They would have the satisfaction of following God, but he says, I will deliver you, God will deliver you out of the hands of of the Philistines. Their sworn enemies. The ones who were controlling them. Day by day. I want victory over the enemy. I have not got it. Why? I have compromised. I serve other gods. I have not prepared my heart. To serve only the Lord. That's the problem. Well, did it happen for the children of Israel? Look at verse 4. And the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtoreth and serve the Lord only. They showed Samuel their heartfelt desire to do business with God. They were serious about it. We have to be serious about it. 
I have to be serious about it. And you know what happened? This was one of the most remarkable turnarounds that the children of Israel did, recorded in the Bible. They put away those false gods. God, Samuel said, well, listen, we're going to have a, a big congregation about this. We're going to get this. We're going to be serious about this. We're going to have a meeting. Get all the people to meet at Mizpah. So they gathered to the one who would mediate for them. That was it. Samuel was going to pray for them. They gathered to the one who was going to pray to God on their behalf. That's a picture of us gathering to the Lord Jesus. He's the one who mediates between God and man. The man Christ Jesus who gave his life a ransom for many. They gathered there. I was reminded of the, the words in John 17 when Jesus prayed. He says, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. And this is the important verse. I pray for them. I pray not for the world but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine. And all mine are thine. And thine are mine. And I am glorified in them. Jesus prayed for you and for me when he prayed that prayer. Because he says later on, I'm not only praying for these people. I'm praying for those who will believe on me hereafter. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine. We belong to God. And all mine are thine. And thine are mine. Just to be sure about it. He says it the other way around. And I am glorified in them. Is he? Is he? And you know. This meeting that took place at Mizpah it was like one big object lesson to us verse 6 and they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord what was the point of that they got this water and they poured it out before the Lord it was a symbol of their utter weakness and emptiness. I'm as weak as water. We say that, don't we? This was it. They poured that out. It was a sign of their complete weakness and emptiness. We have sinned against the Lord, they said. It's only when I take a similar place before God... That God can work and will work in my life. Complete and utter emptiness. There's nothing in us. Nothing. No other merit now I plead. But Jesus died for all my need. No righteousness in me is found. Except upon redemption ground. 
as soon as we come to God as an empty vessel, empty of self, empty of right, our own self-righteousness, empty of our worth in our own sight, as soon as we do that, come before God as an empty vessel, then God will fill that empty vessel with his spirit and with his love and with his power. He will. And he did. For these Israelites. God was on their side. But. Trouble. Look at verse 7. When the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together in Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Oh yes, we're going to follow God and we're going to trust him completely. And then the Philistines were coming up immediately to battle against them. You see, they assumed when this big gathering took place that there was a, some kind of a revolt going on. That they were going to revolt against the Philistines and they, they were going to try and uh, join in battle against them. And they didn't want to lose all the income and all the taxes and everything else that they were able to gather in from Israel. And you know, this was a very practical test for the congregation, yes, we're going to follow God and we're going to follow him. And as soon as they said that, trouble started. It does, you know. If we have been attacked and we're burdened by Satan and we decide to get right with God, be assured that there'll be trouble. Satan is not going to give up easily. He's not just going to roll over and say, oh well, we let him go and worship God. No. So what did the children of Israel do? They cried out to Samuel. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, pray for us. It is only through prayer and through the work of the Holy Spirit in my life that I have the power to fight against the evil one. I can't do it in my own strength. Our Lord is the only one to whom we may go for victory. What did Peter say when Jesus said, you know, what think you, uh, will you also go away? And they said, to whom shall we go? To whom? There's no one else to go to. We used to sing that hymn, where shall I go but to the Lord? There's nowhere else to go. To whom shall we go, Peter said. And so Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel and the Lord heard him. The Lord heard him. A sacrifice offered on behalf of the people. Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, not only offered a sacrifice, but he also prayed for them. And the Lord heard him and answered him. Either he answered him probably by, by the thunder, the thunder that discomforted the Philistines. 
and probably by fire that burnt up that sacrifice which was acceptable to him. And the voice of the thunder frightened and discomforted the Philistines. And we know that they turned tail and ran. You see, those Philistines didn't know what they were coming up against that day. They thought that they were just coming up against a defeated, disheartened, disillusioned bunch of Israelites. They didn't know of the water poured out. They didn't know of the sacrifice of the lamb. They didn't know any of those things. But they soon learned. They soon learned. Even as Samuel was performing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day and upon the Philistines and discomforted them, and they were smitten before Israel. Nothing to do with the children of Israel. It was all the work of God. We can never fight against the enemy in our own strength. But if we put everything into the hands of God, then he will fight for us. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That's how we can have victory over the, the, the Satan and the devil. You know, way back in chapter 4 or 5, when the ark was brought in to the camp, there was a great shout went up from all the children of Israel. It was a hollow shout. It was a hollow shout. They were using the ark of God as a kind of talisman. You can't treat God like that. But the shout that went up in chapter 7 was a thunder from God. It was the voice of God that brought the victory. It was the power of God that brought the victory. Nothing to do with the children of Israel. They poured themselves out like water before him. And he worked on their behalf. In our strength, you know, we're like that kid's story. We may huff and puff and try and blow the house down, but we won't. But if we have the power of God indwelling us, the power of his Holy Spirit then we will have the victory in Jesus. It is only when God speaks through me and works through me. It is only because of the shed blood of the Lamb of God at Calvary that I may have that victory and be filled with his Holy Spirit. Then and then only will the enemy be defeated and discomforted. And you know, here's an interesting thing. Verse 11. The men of Israel went out to Mizpah, out of Mizpah, and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came to Bethkar. Do you know what Bethkar means? It means the place of the Lamb. Isn't that interesting? The place of the Lamb. And it's only because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, that we can have victory in our lives. The place of the Lamb. And then Samuel 
he said, I'm going to make sure these people don't forget about this. He knew people very well. And he got this stone and he raised a stone up and he says, that's a, that's a sign of what has taken place here today. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And we can say that, can't we? Hitherto has the Lord helped us. But we can't depend on past victories. Each day must be a new day with our submission to God in our lives. Do I want victory in my life? I need to start where? At the place of the Lamb. At the cross of Calvary. Where the Lamb of God shed his blood for you and for me. Revelations 12, 9. And the great dragon was cast out, and the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they love not their lives unto the death isn't that interesting whatever idol I possess whatever that idol be help me to tear it from its throne and worship only thee I just want to read in closing a few verses in Hebrews I'm going to read it from the Amplified. Hebrews chapter 12. We, we've been talking about these few verses earlier on in the week at home. Therefore then, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony of the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily clings to and entangles us and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us looking away from all that will distract to Jesus who is the leader and the source of our faith giving the first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher. He, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials, so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. You have not yet struggled and fought agonizingly against sin, nor have you yet resisted and restored to the point of pouring out your own blood. Get rid of all those things which are unnecessary 
the sin which clings to you. May we be encouraged this morning to do that. To look unto Jesus away from everything else that distracts us. Amen.